0: look at the picture of the last supper. Have you ever thought about who these people were? You've probably heard of some of the more out front disciples. Saint Peter, James and John, doubting Thomas, or Judas Iscariot, also known as the betrayer. But there were others at the table, In this series, we're going to be looking at some of the others that Jesus invited to the table. And here's a hint. They're just like you and me. Thanks for joining us today. Let's learn more about who's at the table. When we look at the stained glass pictures of the apostles, they look so perfect. We forget that when Jesus called them, they were actual human beings, just like me and you. So it is with Simon the Zealot. I say his full title because that's how he's always listed in the Bible. Now, we use the word zealot to describe a person who is passionate about a movement or a cause, a fan, you know, fly, eagles, fly, right? Well, the capital Z in his name tells us that this is a particular movement or distinction for someone in Jesus' day. Much like we would capitalize the D in Democrat or the R for Republican when referring to people of different political parties, the zealots are the same. The zealots were fierce. This political party arose due to the persecution of taxes. I want you to remember that. It came out of the persecution of taxes. It was born out of the region of Galilee, And there's a guy named Judas, not the apostle, right? A lot of Judases in that day. He was the leader. And the first revolt that they had, it was kind of easily broken up. The next time a revolt came was actually during the time of the Emperor Cyrenius. And this time it wasn't just about persecution of taxes, but about faith as well. Now, whenever they asked a Jewish person in those days to pay taxes, it was like a betrayal of their faith particularly in the manner of how the emperors viewed themselves. For Romans, for the emperors, they were viewed as gods. That was a challenge for a Jewish person to call someone else god. That wasn't the god. Now, the imperial powers, again, were able to defeat that of rebellion, but as a means of completely squelching the efforts, they killed Judas. And thus began the zealot movement. When you combine extreme patriotism and extreme religion... It can be an explosive combination. During Jesus' life, and for the generation after, the only real thing the zealots accomplished was bringing about the destruction of the temple. Their motto was, No king but the Lord, no tax but the temple, no friend but a zealot. Sometimes when one is so committed to a cause, often the enemy becomes those who are not as committed. You forget who your enemy really is. And one way to describe them is to look at their final stand. This is known as the story of Masada. So the Zealots didn't want to be captured by the Romans, so they encouraged each other to kill their wives, children, and ultimately themselves. Now the first century historian Josephus says, they tenderly embraced their wives, kissed their children, and then began the bloody work. 960 people perished. At Masada, only two women and five children escaped by hiding in a cave. That was the zealot movement. Now, why would this Simon, right? Not Simon Peter, but Simon the zealot be drawn to follow Jesus, who is known as meek and mild. Let's look at it from a first century Jewish perspective, rather than our 21st century Western mind. Think about how many times did Jesus talk about the kingdom of God, Or the kingdom of heaven. Now, when he says that, we think theologically, but Simon mixed theology and politics. This was the language of revolution. Do you remember the scripture of our day? Looking at the disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. If I'm Simon, I'm thinking, that's totally me. That's us. Now, if that's not enough, look at the very next verse of what Jesus says. But woe to you who are rich, who have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. I can just imagine Simon hearing those words and again mixing politics and religion just thinking that this is language of revolution he's got to be like fantastic or do you remember the time when jesus overturned the tables in the temple and scripture says that he made a braid like of cords into a whip and he did like an indiana jones impersonation and he's like whipping people out of the temple simon would have been like this is awesome this is totally cool now in order to understand simon the zealot I want to share with you that basically in Jesus's day, there were four ways to express your faith, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. Now, Simon, the Zealot is part of that fourth group. Let's talk about the other three real quick. So you've probably heard about the Pharisees. This was the group of people known as the teachers of the law or the religious expert during Jesus's day. Now, in order to be a pharisee this wasn't necessarily open to everybody because you had to be really really smart when you're in hebrew school you had to go from one level to the next it was basically those that made it to the ivy leagues in understanding the law or the religion of jesus's day of all that jesus was kind of grown up in he was interacting with what we know as pharisees a lot because they were teaching things he was teaching things and they would have these dialogues about what all these things mean. Now, by the time, you know, Jesus steps onto the scene, the Pharisees, uh, and the religious leaders of Jesus's day had created so many laws that were even outside of the actual law that God had given that it really, you know, they began to be very legalistic about not just the law, but about the stuff that they created to help people not break the law. So that's why you see Jesus interacting with them a ton about what do these laws actually mean? What does it mean to do this? You see Jesus healing on the Sabbath that was against the law. That's just one example. Another example are the Sadducees. You see them in scripture as well. Now the Sadducees were more of the political elite of the day. So it wasn't necessarily about uh, what you knew. It was about who you knew. You had to be born into the right family to be a Sadducee. Sadducees, right, leading sort of the political uh, movement or being the political lead of the day were in kind of relationship with the occupying forces. They were in relationship with the Romans and they wanted to figure out politically how to still, you know, let... The Jewish people have their faith, have their life, but also get along with the Romans. Now, uh, we, we talked about the Zealot movement always having these rebellions, and that was a problem for the Sadducees. The Sadducees wanted to keep the peace. They wanted Rome to be really, really happy about stuff. And so if you were born into the right family, you could have been a Sadducee. The Essenes were this other group that were kind of In their relationship to understanding the kingdom of God, right, it wasn't just about law and it wasn't just about uh, political kingdoms. For them, the kingdom of God came about through separation. You may have heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, the Essenes were kind of known as those that would would write these things down. They wanted to preserve the scripture and they would basically go off into the wilderness and they were kind of the first monastic movements right, of people. Um, They were the first monks. They were the people that went off into the wilderness and they wanted to just have a pure life by being separated from the world. The kingdom of God would come through separation. Now we see an Essene, basically, in the person that we know as John the Baptist. Do you remember how he's described as being one who is a voice that is crying out in the wilderness? He's out there. He's not out there just geographically in the wilderness. He's described as well very much like an Essene in the way that he dresses. Remember, he's got the camel hair cloak, and he's very sort of vegan. He's, he's, a, he's an early vegan. He's eating locusts, and he's doing all of that like very organic stuff out in the wilderness. He ate locusts and honey, and he wore camel hair clothes. He was what we would probably refer to of the Essene movement, a separation a bringing about the kingdom from the wilderness. So those were the three. Pharisee, Sadducee, and Essenes. We talked a little bit about the zealots, right? About how they got started with the persecution of taxes, but then also the mingling of politics and extreme religion. And um, here's Simon the zealot that is now part of the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. The zealots believed in Jesus's time That if the kingdom of God was going to come about, it was going to come through the sword. It was going to come through overthrowing their occupying forces and establishing their own kingdom. That's why they'd always have these rebellions, particularly around some of the high holy days, where they would be reminded as part of the Passover meal that they once were slaves, but now they're free. And the Zealots heard that, and they thought, we're really not free. In order to be free, we need to use the sword. Now that's Simon, the zealot. That's his background. That's a little bit of where he's coming from. I just want you to picture for just a moment. Imagine Simon and Matthew sitting next to each other around the campfire at night. Do you remember Matthew's story? Matthew was a tax collector. Now imagine Simon and Matthew hanging out together. Remember, Simon the zealot The only person worse than a Roman for Simon would have been a Jew that collaborated with the Romans. Now, Matthew's story as a tax collector was one where Jesus came and said, follow me. And he got up and followed. We know a little bit about how tax collectors were viewed in Jesus's teaching because he hung out with them. Jesus is described as hanging out with sinners and tax collectors The tax collectors were so bad, they couldn't even just be joined in with the group of sinners. They had their own category of sinning. They were sinners and tax collectors. So imagine Simon the Zealot and Matthew the Tax Collector, two of the 12 disciples that Jesus brought together and basically said, figure it out, guys. This is the beauty of the kingdom of God. For me, this is the beauty as a disciple of Jesus of the church, of how people who are so different from one another can figure out what it's like to sit at the same table. Think about the people at the table that night. We've talked about some already in our series, but I want you to picture now Simon the Zealot having to live with, eat with, interact with, do all of these things with Matthew the tax collector. They could not be as far on the extremes as each other. They just couldn't be any more different. Yet Jesus figures out a way to bring them together. I I love scripture. And I love the way that uh, people think it doesn't make sense in today's world. But I want you to just consider how are we in today's world living out these same four expressions? Some of us take the route of a Pharisee where we, in the midst of crisis, want to hold on to the law, find comfort in some of our legalism, which again may not be helpful for all people. We see how sometimes in our world, the political elites of the day have the authority and the power to make the decisions that they want and they get into sticky situations because they don't want to let go of that authority or that power. So, you and I may not have been born into a family of a politically elite today in the world, but we see it where those who are born into the right families today have authority and power over other people, and they'll use that. We see that. We may not call them Sadducees in today's world, but we see people living like that. We see people that when anxiety or crisis comes up, they are like these scenes and they want to, they want to take a step back and they want to separate and they just want to kind of figure out how to you know get quiet and they're they're a bit more contemplative and then we see other people that are like enough with the contemplation we have to go into action and they want to raise their voice use the sword or do whatever they can to figure out how to bring this kingdom to come will the kingdom come by Rigidity to the law? Will it come through political influence? Will it come through separation? Will it come through force? Now, I love with Jesus, how you see just a little hint of some of these four in him, but he cannot be described in these four categories. Much in the same way that you and me can't be described in just one category or another. I love how sometimes we put boxes on people in today's world. Oh, you're a this, or you're a that. You fit in this camp. You fit in that camp. And I want to be in the Jesus camp. I want to I be following him, and he doesn't fit very well into those four categories, though we see hints. Okay, so we see Jesus as being an expert in the law, but he didn't necessarily go to all the right schools to do it. You see how he taught with authority, unlike the teachers of his day. So we could see Jesus would have been a pretty awesome Pharisee, except for the fact that he wanted to help people live into the grace of God and not just into the law. And we'll see that through the rest of the New Testament, this struggle of are we a people of law or are we a people of grace? Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, time after time, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. He would have been a good Pharisee, but he just doesn't quite fit there. He doesn't necessarily fit as a Sadducee either. He wasn't born into the right family. I mean, you know his story. You know how he was born. He wasn't born to Herod's kingdom, but he was still born a king. He wasn't born into the right family that would have political influence of his day, yet he was still a king. He doesn't fit as a Sadducee, but you can also see How the Sadducees would have liked him say, well, what does this coin say? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And the Sadducees would have been like, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Because if you would have said anything else, we would have had another rebellion on our hands. And we like to keep the peace. Why do we like to keep the peace? Because we're on top and we don't want it to change. Jesus doesn't fit as a Sadducee because he invites those who are low to become high. Those who are humble will be raised up. Those who are exalted will be made low. That's his language of the kingdom. We see Jesus very much like in a scene, taking time away, separating for a time of prayer. We see him even in the ministry, very much like John. His message of repentance for the kingdom of God is coming near, was John the Baptist's message as well. So we see Jesus a little bit of like being in a scene. We see him talking and engaging with people in the world and not just his people, Samaritans, all sorts of folks. And we see Jesus with a little bit of the zeal. Remember, we talked about him turning over the tables in the in the temple. That would have been pretty awesome. But Jesus came to bring peace and not a sword. Simon would have been disappointed in the end, much like the other disciples, that the kingdom that Jesus was talking about wasn't going to come through glory and power. It was going to come through surrender and him giving his life as a ransom for us. Now, think about where Jesus is with all of this. As one who is able to take a zealot and a tax collector and bring them together. You see, people didn't like tax collectors because the only reason they had to pay their taxes, and every time they did that, it was a reminder that they were an oppressed people. They did it because there was a Roman guard standing right behind the tax collector with a spear. Matthew would have sat there, we hear about Zacchaeus and how he overcharged people, Zacchaeus the tax collector. And Jesus came to people like that. the you know, people in our world that the disciples like Simon would have absolutely reviled. And he says, come on, Matthew, you follow me too. I just keep thinking about the conversations that Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector would have had at the table together. I think about the conversations we're having in our world. You can go on social media today and see the Zealots See the tax collectors, see one side, see the other, see the extremes of of whatever issue you want to talk about today. Now, what Jesus does, not just then, but I believe today is he figures out a way for us, a way to live to where we think he's this and we think he's this or these this or this. We think he's one of these four ways. But he's not he's his own unique movement and way and what he does is he figures out a way of bringing together the people who are so different you know there were some pharisees that actually followed jesus there would have been some sadducees that were part of the sanhedrin that believed his message that most even though they didn't you see these folks from all different categories Connecting with Jesus. And for me, the Bible isn't something that is just telling a story about back then. We see it so much in who we are today. Is Jesus enough in our world? Is Jesus enough in our church to be able to take a Simon the Zealot and a Matthew the tax collector, of this person on this side and of that person on that side, and be able to bring us together? That's what Jesus does now in the church In the world, take a lesson from the listing of these disciples, all of their names, all of their stories, all of who they are that they brought with them in their relationship with Jesus. Simon the zealot and Matthew the tax collector, Jesus figured out a way. For them to be a part of the kingdom. This is the sign of the kingdom. Not just when a lion can lie down with a lamb. But when a zealot and a tax collector can join at the table with Jesus. And be one. The whole time Simon, the zealot, is waiting for an opportunity to bring about the kingdom of God. His sword is ready. He is ready to go. But at the table that night when he was sitting with Matthew, the tax collector, did he understand that the kingdom was already in his midst? That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. That's the beauty of the church. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, you are one who brings us together. We thank you that when we come to you, there is enough of your love and grace that our titles, our descriptions, our backgrounds, all weave together into who we are as your beloved disciples, as your children. So we ask that you might bring peace, peace in our church, peace in our world, so that zealots and tax collectors might be able to join at the table. And we see in our world how we're trying, but sometimes it's just not working. You are the one who can bring us together. We look to you, we need you. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.